Welcome to The Ladder, a podcast series for aspiring turf managers currently climbing the career ladder, and also for those already at the top who would like to better understand their Generation Y staff members. Sit back, settle in, and enjoy. Welcome to this episode of The Ladder, brought to you by Steck Equipment and New Farm. I'm your host today, John Reitman, and our guest is Ryan Kazar, the Assistant Superintendent at the Inverness Club in Toledo, Ohio. Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate your time. No problem. No problem. Anytime. Now, you are the intern at Inverness, where you work for John Zimmers, and you also worked for John at Oakmont. And before that, you worked at Pikewood National down in West Virginia for Brett Bentley, who is also a John Zimmer's protege, and Brett is actually back at Oakmont now working for Dave. So how how did you hook up with John in the first place? So to start, I uh, I started off at Oakland Hills with an internship with Steve Cook. Um, that's back in my hometown, so it's about 40 minutes from my parents' house. And I worked there while I was going to community college for about a year. And then uh, when I was about to go back to school, Steve Cook had told me, you know, I'd love to have you back once you graduate school, but to better your career, I'd like you to go see a different operation and see how other people manage that when you're a manager one day, you can do what you like and you know what you don't like. So from there, I just kind of started searching online and, uh, Ended up finding a honey hole in Pikewood National out in Morgantown, West Virginia. Um, so I went there, I believe it was summer of 2015. Worked for Brett Bentley and his crew. And then when I was getting ready to head back to Michigan State, um, Brett had known I wanted to go to Oakmont for the open in 2016. So he made a call to John Zimmers at Oakmont. And the next day I got a call from John and I couldn't pass up the offer to go see Oakmont, work the open, and most importantly, work for John Zimmers and Dave Del Sandro and the whole crew out there. So you've worked for John at a couple of places. Yes. He is, he's infamous for putting in the long hours it takes to elicit ridiculously high conditions to meet ridiculously high expectations. Did did you know quite what you were getting into when you sought out that experience and how has tell us how you think that's going to help you as you prepare yourself to become a head superintendent somewhere down the road? Yeah, I think I I think I had a pretty good understanding of what I was getting into. Um when I had gone to Pikewood, I I had it quite worked the hours that I was there, but uh I've always been a worker my whole life. Um, I love doing what I love being in the turf industry and I love what I do. And, uh, when I moved from Pikewood to Oakland, I knew we were going to work the hours. Obviously we had a big U S open coming up. So I knew there was a lot that went into that and it was an unbelievable experience to see. And I think it's grown my career through this year with the U S junior amateur. But, uh, I think it's one of those things that you just got to be, all in for and you got to love the industry and have a passion for it 
and we're not just working to work. Um, I know some guys say, yeah, you're putting in all these hours, you're working so many days a week, but it's really kind of, you're taking care of a baby and um, you got to have pride and joy in what you do. And really we're just developing and I'm learning under John and working alongside Carlton. It's, it's really a great experience and just trying to take in as much as I can, honestly. Um, but the hours don't really bother me. And it's part of, it's just who, it's what we do in our industry. And I think 90% of the people in our industry can, can abide by that. You know, Ryan, when you work for someone like John, there's no resting on your laurels. There's no status quo. There's always something to do and always something to get prepared for and always there are improvements to make. How do you think that sort of a mindset from him is helping prepare you for the future? Because you guys have, well, maybe for for everyone out here listening who hasn't kept up with the story there uh, since he came to Inverness a couple of years ago, that place has been on the fast track ever since. So maybe walk us a little bit through that timeline and then finish up by telling us how that's helped you, you think, prepare your for your career. Yeah, so coming to Inverness, um, we pretty much got handed a product that wasn't wasn't where it needed to be to be in the top 100. And uh, so knowing John, we came right in and we got right to it. They had approved a club restoration, trying to bring back the old Donald Ross design through Andrew Green just before we got here. And uh, I think you could ask anybody at the club they weren't quite prepared for how big this project was going to be. Um, so pretty much first thing we did when we got here was just try to get some organization. John's really big on organization. You can't function or have an efficient operation without proper organization. So when we got here, first thing we did was just go through the shop, the maintenance facility, and try to we, – we hauled out dumpster after dumpster of just old stuff, garbage and just try to clean it up so you could work and be efficient at what we did um so then we're here we got here march may of 2017 and then right around june mcdonald's and son started bringing in equipment for uh the restoration so it was probably mid-june end of june we started ripping into the farm field out there by current three and four so for those of you that don't know, we took out the old Fazio designs and the club had a piece of land out back that was farm field. So we grew in three holes completely. Um, five new greens were put in place that resembled the old greens from the original Donald Ross design. Uh, and then behind that, we started going through the course. Meanwhile, the course is open for 18 holes, championship play the whole time. So we kind of worked around equipment and construction um we redid all the green surrounds all the bunkers on the course um every green had some type of approach expansion or greens expansion to get more hole locations make them bigger so Inverness has pretty small greens but i think we did a very good job of trying to restore it while accommodating today's play with longer tee boxes and the whole nine yards 
So from there, we were guns blazing for a full year, year plus um, through the winter, taking down power lines, taking down trees. Um, and then we did some work around the shop to try to clean it up and really help with the organization and um, efficiency there. Um, then we had the um, we had the chance to purchase piece of land across the across the way. Um, so we were taking care of that. It was about 200 acres of property. Um, so we were doing that while taking care of our 200 acres. Um, it's pretty tough when you already have your crew stretched with construction and taking care of a championship 18 holes, and then you got to go across the street and take care of that for a Fortune 500 company. But we managed and figured out a way and made it work. And then uh, this past December, we actually – purchased all their equipment and purchased 40 acres and a couple houses off of them. So it's always a whirlwind, but um, it's nice to kind of finally a little bit settle down and just get back to your basic agronomics and kind of moving away from the project side. I know we love the projects and we always will be doing small projects, but it's good to get a little breather and just really hammer home your fundamentals and get the course to where you want it to be. Um, so with that being said, working under John, he just, it really prepares you for the future because he's not afraid to take on projects. He knows what it takes. And now seeing them come full circle, working through them with him, seeing how he goes about talking to the board about them, keeping his notes, being organized about everything. It's just, it's going to go a long ways when I have my own gig and when I'm asked the tough questions and have to organize and plan and budget. And so it's, it's just, it's, it's an honor to work under John and work with him. And I think it goes without being said, but him, myself and Carlton have just a great friendship. It's not even like we're working together. We're just out here having fun together. So it's, it's pretty neat. Talk about the budget process. What role does he allow you guys to play in those types of things where you have direct interaction with the committees and members at the club? He gives us a huge role in all of that. There's nothing there's nothing that comes through his plate that we don't see, that we're not communicated through. His number one thing is communication. If we're not communicating, it's, it's not going to be a good day, and things are going to get slipped through the cracks and missed. Um, so we're we're hand in hand working with the budget with them, which I think is huge because a lot of people don't don't see that as an assistant or don't see that coming into their role as an assistant, and uh, I think that'd probably be one of the hardest things because I've I've seen it now for two and a half years with John and um, it's really starting to click for me and uh, I think that's the key if you can't manage your budget or know where to even begin with a budget, it's going to be pretty tough when you when you make the jump. Um, but, and then as far as membership and board meetings and grounds meetings, uh, we're pretty involved. Um, the membership here at Inverness is great. Probably the best membership I've been a part of. Um, they really do care about you and trust you and it's like a family. So we're, we're involved with the greens committee. Um, we're involved with the board committee. Obviously somebody has got to watch over the crew and, um, manage the crew. Most of the meetings are usually early mornings or 
early afternoon. So a lot of times Carlton and myself, we're not involved with them, but we still get the information and are communicated. So it's, uh, it's, it's been really eye opening and it's, I think it's really going to, really going to help us in the end. We'll be right back after a brief message from our sponsors. Pinpoint Fungicide from New Farm Americas contains a new active ingredient to deliver outstanding early and late season control of dollar spot. Pinpoint provides superintendents and turf management professionals with an excellent fungicide rotation partner to optimize disease management stewardship. Pinpoint's unique and targeted active ingredient has been proven in university performance trials and delivers outstanding control of dollar spot, take-all patch, fairy ring, and brown patch to ensure a clean field of play. For more information, visit newfarm.com. With a commitment to quality and a passion for sourcing the latest innovations from Europe and North America, Steck Equipment has grown to be the go-to supplier for specialized turf equipment. Check out their line of phrase mowers, material handlers, laser graders, vacuum sweepers, blowers, verticutters, and seeders, decompactors, sand fillers, and much more at steckequipment.com. That's S-T-E-C equipment.com. Back on the ladder with Ryan Kazar of the Inverness Club in Toledo, Ohio. Now you've worked for John a couple of times. You mentioned Steve Cook at Oakland Hills. Of course, Steve now at, at Medina. But and then you worked for Brett at Pikewood, which is, for those of you who haven't been, probably one of the most aesthetically appealing golf courses you'll ever see anywhere. Um, but it's the total opposite end of the spectrum from someplace like Oakland Hills or Inverness or Oakmont and that privately owned and doesn't see a lot of play. You could go days there and never see a golfer. Some really varied experiences there. How have those helped set you apart maybe from other assistants who would be also looking to make the move up in the career ladder? You know, I think the big thing is I worked for three really, really high-end and great superintendents who were all organized, um, who have all been there, done that, um, been a part of major championships, hosted them, um, been through some major construction and rebuilding. So I think just the leadership of those guys and um, having, having them in my back pocket to call if something went wrong, um, is always is always a nice virtue to have, but I think just seeing how each of them ran their own operation and how each golf course was different, and there's always something to do on a golf course, always another project to do, and just going through the motions of being on top of things, being organized, being efficient, effective, and just keeping tabs on everything, not letting things slip through the cracks is really where I think I set myself apart um, from from everybody else. I want to back up just a little bit. You talked about this acquisition of land, 200 acres here and uh, another tract with houses on it. And 
what was the reason behind all this acquisition of land? What's the future purpose for that? So I think the behind all of that, uh, years back, there was some property adjacent to the club that had been sold to for apartment complexes. And uh, it's kind of hurt us in the long run because now we have apartments that aren't very sightly. Um, and then it's tough to, you can't purchase that land back to use, to expand the course, to expand the driving range. Um, so the club didn't want to see that happen again. And with that being said, they knew championships are only getting bigger. U.S. Opens, PGA Championships, Ryder Cups, everything just continues to get bigger and bigger. The buildup, the setup, um, the amount of people that come out the TV, the media crew. So an overwhelming part of it was to save the land, to keep it from being a pop-up Walmart, um, to have the land to use for if we wanted to make a driving range, if we if we needed it for parking. And then in addition to that, we have a couple of houses now that will help grow the national membership and um, really help develop that so that we can have people come in and they have a place to stay right on site. They're not having to find a hotel. Um, so I, I think that it was a really key acquisition and I think it was great on the club's part to do this and see that they needed it going forward with the future. So I think a big test here, we obviously just had the U S junior amateur, which was a huge success around the board. Um, but it's crazy. You know, last winter it felt like it was U S junior amateur, U S junior amateur. And then, the week was here and gone. Um, we do a lot of work for it, and it's gone in the blink of an eye. But I already, it was probably a month ago, and I started my files for the Solheim Cup. That comes up in 21, and um, they're expecting some pretty big crowds for that. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how we fare. A lot of the prep work for that tournament uh, has, has yet to be done, but some of the preparation for it certainly has. How what are the similarities between something like the Solheim Cup and the U.S. Open, and what do you anticipate to be the major differences in preparation for each of those events? Yeah, I think um, from an agronomic standpoint, obviously you're going to have the turf in the best playing condition possible, and we we abide by that for daily member play as well. But uh, I think the biggest difference is with a U.S. Open, you're growing your rough up really high. You're making it penal for the players, whereas the Solheim Cup, um, it's more of a fun event for the ladies. And uh, the ladies actually have a lot of say in how they want the course prepared. So the U.S. women will kind of sit down and they get to talk about some of the keys or how they would like it to be prepared to fit their game. But uh, I think for the Solheim Cup, it'll be more similar to everyday rough height. Um, so we won't have to change much on that end. And then as far as build-out, it's going to be, I don't know that it'll be as big as the U.S. Open, but it'll it'll be pretty similar to that. We already have staging areas for where the tents, the media, um, and we're still working through to rotate or figure out exactly where everything's going to be placed on the course. But uh, I'd say the biggest difference is, so in 2016 for the U.S. Open, it was one of the biggest crowds, but 
the key there is you have 18 holes to move people. Um, for the Solheim Cup, we're expecting 35 to 40,000 people. Um, and the tough part is, as you know, for the Solheim Cup, it's across four or five holes of golf. So we're going to have to try to move people, spectators, the media through four or five holes. And as you know, Inverness is pretty tight on the back nine, um, holes 11 through 16. So I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see how we fare, but I think we're going to do just fine. So, Ryan, thanks for spending time with us today. Thank you. I appreciate the call, and I appreciate your time. You have been listening to The Ladder on TurfNet Radio. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher for instant access to past and future episodes of The Ladder and other TurfNet Radio podcasts. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.